Hello and thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Citation Podcast with me, Michael Brown, Health and Safety Content Manager here at Citation. On the 21st of February, Boris Johnson announced his plans to live with COVID in England, meaning that the legal requirement to self-isolate will end from Thursday the 24th of February. In this episode, I'll be joined by our HR and Employment Law host, Jill McAteer, where we'll discuss the changes of legislation and the impact that this will have on employers. So I think one of the things that will be perplexing employers at the moment is if all the legal requirements are going and it's down to them to decide what they should be doing and what policies they should be implementing in their business. Where do they start with that? Well, Jill, I think the first step really for any employers would be to carry out a risk assessment. Now, we've all been doing this through the whole COVID period, or at least we should have been. um, And that's really a step, five step process where first of all, you identify the hazards, then you work out who can be harmed and how. From there, you then actually identify the control measures, you record your findings, and then you communicate that with your staff, get them to sign it all off, and then you review it to make sure that it is up to spec and it's up to speed. Now, the difference is that the government have now stated we don't want COVID specifically mentioned in risk assessments, or at least you don't legally have to. Now, we're still waiting for the HSE's take on this, uh, which, again, we'll, we'll have to wait for and work out exactly how they're going to come at this because for the last year or two years we've been identifying these risks as part of the management of health and safety regulations which is where risk assessments come from so I would as an employer I would continue to do that so have a look review your existing risk assessment even if you don't want to call it a covid secure risk assessment anymore name rename it managing pandemics or managing um illnesses or respiratory illnesses in the workplace consult with the workforce and again work out um work out what your controls are going to be and why they're important and get people to sign it off so you get the employees on board i mean from my perspective and you know, directing a question back to you with this jill i think a lot of people are going to say well you know, can we do we still need to do individual risk assessments if the government is no longer recognizing covid as a specific risk um because personally from a health and safety point of view I would say yes we do still need to do that and take into account individuals what's the employment law sort of stance on that is that still a requirement and is it something you'd recommend yes I think we definitely recommend that and in fact even in the government's publication living with covid it does specifically point out that employers still need to bear in mind the requirements of those who are working for them who are clinically extremely vulnerable and take that into account when assessing risk. Um, And also I should say that this also includes people who may not themselves be clinically extremely vulnerable but living with people who are clinically extremely vulnerable in their household. Um, A lot of the health and safety claims which are coming through on COVID and which we're seeing now hit the tribunals are involving people who we're not happy with the way in which risk was managed in the workplace, not because of their own clinical vulnerability, but because of the clinical vulnerability of those with whom they live. So again, really important to actually take that individual approach and incorporate that within 
the overall risk assessment. So if you do retain certain level of controls, for example, ventilation is a key one at the moment. I think they're doing a lot of studies to work out exactly um, what sort of levels of ventilation are effective. And I think there were a few studies done separately a few years ago um, relating to levels of carbon dioxide in, in buildings and performance of employees. And they found that the more ventilation... Uh, the more effectively employees worked and the better their general well-being overall because it reduced the level of carbon dioxide and contaminants in the in the atmosphere. So really, ventilation is a key control that I think people are going to have to continue to think about over the next the next foreseeable future, to be fair. We, we've recognised this as a risk now for so long. It's hard to imagine a world where we completely withdraw all of our controls. So I think I would urge employers to continue with a certain level of control pragmatically in the workplace and in consultation with their employees. The The other question I have for you, Jill, which is it's a bit of a hybrid one for us both, really, because having read the document, it appears that we're in a situation where it's almost don't ask, don't tell to a certain extent. You've got no legal requirement for people to self-isolate from the 24th of February of 2022 but the government is advising that you do self-isolate so we seem to be in a situation where employees legally do not have to self-isolate from the 24th February 2022 they also do not need to tell their employers that they should be self-isolating in line with the government guidelines which specify that they should self-isolate and employers can't legally ask them to declare whether they should be self-isolating or not unless I think this is probably where your expertise comes in Jill unless they have a strong employment law policy that dictates that is that right? That's exactly right and this is why I feel employers can't take the stance that they're just simply going to say nothing on this point they still have responsibilities to make sure that people are kept safe in the workplace. And it's still acknowledged by the medical experts that COVID is still a threat. Even at the press conference, uh, Professor Chris Whitty uh, was saying that, yes, infection rates are still very high. We're not out of the woods. So businesses need to have a clear plan of how they're managing that risk. And as you've pointed out, there's no obligation on people to say when they should be self-isolating. I think the removal of the legal requirement to self-isolate was not meant to be a marker that, in fact, businesses shouldn't be interested in whether or not their employees are coming into the workplace with COVID. It was only intended to be a replacement of the government stipulating what the rules should be to put the onus on employers to decide what rules should be in operation in their business. And therefore, it's absolutely essential that employers decide what their policy is going to be and, of course, very importantly, communicate that to their employees so it is absolutely crystal clear what the expectations are. So, for example, uh, if employers would expect to know and require to know if employees have been tested positive for COVID, uh, that should be made clear to employees. But also then, what will happen should that be the case? Will they be allowed to work from home? Does the business require them to still self-isolate? Self um, for a, what period should they be self-isolating? Really, all of this should be in the policy. Making sure that employees know the expectations on them. It's also to ensure 
that the rest of the workforce understand what measures you have put in place. Because there are a lot of people who still feel very anxious about the threat of COVID. And they will be reassured to know that the company has a policy in place and that there are some requirements being put on employees to, first of all, know who has tested positive for COVID and what those employees should be doing. The last thing an employer would want to face is a situation where employees are thinking, well, this is just um, too confusing. People are coming in to work with COVID. I'm sitting beside colleagues who are sniffling. They might have COVID and therefore I don't feel safe in work anymore and I want to uh, work from home again. And if employers want to preempt those difficult conversations, the thing to do is to get ahead of it now, get a communication strategy in place and work out what their policy is going to be and consult with employees on it. And that's going to do a lot to quell any anxiety there may be within the workforce. I'd really, I personally, if I was in an employment position, I would do that alongside the health and safety side. So you're actually consulting on both of them at the same time because they're, they're complementary. And I think this is the, the crux of the government's advice now is um, really, and we're in a similar position to where we were last summer, if you remember back, Jill, where we were telling people, yes, everything's changed, but actually nothing has changed in a, to a certain extent. You're still legally responsible if things go wrong um, because this is still, let's not forget, um, reportable under RIDOR under certain circumstances. So that's the HC's legislation which requires you to report injuries and diseases and dangerous occurrences. Uh, and COVID-19 is included under that particular set of legislation. So we're not entirely out of the health and safety executives enforcement area just yet. But again, we're waiting to hear that stance. So really, I think the best thing to do would be, as you've said, Jill, have a clear policy in place complemented by the risk assessment so you are taking a pragmatic approach and involving your employees so that they know what the drill is, they know what's expected of them. Yes, I think the parallels with last July are absolutely correct because when we had Freedom Day Mark 1, what we found was that when employers had to step up and formulate their own plans in place of very clear legal restrictions, there was a lot of unrest amongst many employees with some people feeling that their employers were going too far in maintaining protections and others feeling that they weren't going far enough to keep people safe in work. And I feel this is exactly where we are heading with the latest release of instructions you definitely will not be able to keep everyone happy but the best chance you have of achieving that is to make sure that you are communicating and sharing what your plans are sharing the risk assessments you've done in order to formulate those plans and then dealing with individuals who have got specific concerns so I think uh, transparency and communication are absolutely key here so when we're looking at risk assessment, some employers may actually be looking around their buildings now and thinking, well, you know, there is still a risk here to control. Even you know, we don't want people going off unnecessarily, even if we are classing this now as a respiratory illness. We want to keep the level of risk as low as we can while taking a proportionate response. So some employers may look around and risk is very subjective depending on your background and your previous experience different people will perceive different levels of risk. And we've had that throughout with the pandemic. So for example, um, you know, I used to work in retail many moons ago. So when I see the screens and the like, I actually think, you know, I could have done with those even back in the day because I 
kept coming down with colds and, and various different things because I went from an environment where I, it was one of my first jobs and suddenly I was exposed to a huge amount of members of the public all coming in with colds and flus and, and um, things that I would invariably be exposed to. So my level of risk or my perception of that actually for retail workers was probably higher than perhaps someone that hasn't worked in that setting because they're not going to have that experience. So I suppose really when you mention um, about having clear policies and communication with staff, I think part of this is probably going to be getting that level of understanding in the employees as to why you may retain certain controls or um, getting the you know, getting the fields of communication open as to why you may want to remove certain controls. I mean, Jill, what's your thought on this and making it actually palatable, I suppose, for some employees because you're not going to be able to please everyone? No, and this is certainly something we saw last summer when we approached Freedom Day Mark 1 on 19th July. When legal requirements were removed and the onus was put on employers to decide what was appropriate for their business, there was a great deal of conflict within some businesses with some employees absolutely embracing the idea of being free of all COVID restrictions and not wanting their employers to retain any measures, whereas others were at a very high state of anxiety about contracting the virus and wanted as many measures to be retained as possible on a voluntary basis. And I think what we have not really moved on that much significantly from that as we face the next level of releasing of restrictions um, with very, very high rates of infection. And I think that although you're definitely not going to please all of the people all of the time, the best chance you have of trying to get as much support from your employees about the stance the business wants to take is to share that and be very clear why you're doing what you're doing what your risk assessment says and of course I would say in this situation absolutely be guided by your risk assessment because that really has always got to be your reference point as to why you're doing what you're doing and if you can always come back and refer to that when questioned on your policy it makes the conversations with employees much easier because it's removing as much subjectivity from the situation as possible and it's really just leaving it all down to your um, appraisal of risk within the business. So it really, until we hear from the other regulatory authorities, so the HSE, what their input is, I think we can only really tread carefully at this stage. So Jill, you mentioned the importance, and obviously we discussed it in line with uh, the risk assessment as well of having a clear policy on what employers should do in relation to employees who need to self-isolate or should they come in and really what the company stance is on that are there any sort of HR considerations that employers should be particularly mindful of when coming up with such a policy yes I think the number one consideration that employers really need to think about is what is going to be their policy on continuing the requirement for employees to self-isolate um, we know that from the 1st of April, the government guidance that this should still continue on a voluntary basis will be lifted. And at that point, businesses need to decide whether or not they are still going to have any sort of requirement of people to either notify them that they're, they've tested COVID positive or to self-isolate when they do test positive for COVID that businesses really need to think about is what's going to be their policy on continuing self-isolation come the 1st of April because we know at this point that at, on the 1st of April government guidance on people who test positive for COVID 
doing some level of isolation is coming to an end. And indeed, the more advantageous terms of SSP is coming to an end on the 24th of March, when the SSP rules will revert back to pre-COVID days. So from that point, if an employer is saying to an employee who may be feeling well enough to work but has tested positive for COVID, no, I don't want you to come into the workplace, then that really should be at full pay. So employers will have to give really serious consideration to, first of all, the level of continued self-isolation that they think will be necessary for controlling risks within their workplace, but also the financial costs to the business of those measures, because that's going to be even higher than many businesses have experienced during the pandemic, because this would be at full pay rather than SSP. Michael, what would you say to employers who think that the end of the legal requirement to self-isolate is giving them a green light to just ask employees to come into work regardless of their COVID status? Oh, I would say be very, very careful. Um, the, the, the government may be withdrawing the legal requirement self-isolate, but they are still issuing guidance to self-isolate. Now, my advice to businesses would be to treat the guidance a little bit like one of the health and safety executives approved codes of practice. So it has sort of semi, it may have semi-legal sort of status because you need to make sure that you are doing what the government expects you to do. So although the legal aspect and the legally enforceable aspect of it is gone, I would, I really wouldn't recommend any business try to um, forget about or ignore the risks that we've been managing for the last two years um, and I certainly wouldn't recommend any business to go against the government's guidelines in this in this case uh, I think they're asking for a whole world of pain if they do. I agree and certainly if we think about the huge growth we've seen in claims by employees brought under the health and safety protection provisions of the Employment Rights Act I can see huge difficulties for an employer in trying to defend claims brought by employees where they feel that their health and safety has been put in serious and imminent danger. If there's been no attempt to actually control those risks in the workplace, that just seems to be asking for trouble. Thanks for joining us, Jill. Thanks, Michael. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our episode. We'd be hugely grateful if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Remember, if you need the backing of citations experts on any of the topics we've discussed today, Get in touch with us at podcast at citation.co.uk. Goodbye.